Good morning, church. How y'all doing today? God is good, amen? Awesome. I was uh, listening to this story recently about a pastor who was getting up in age a little bit, and um, as we get up in age, things start to fail us. Some of us can already testify to that, amen? This pastor's teeth were starting to fail him, and he just kind of said, you know what? I'm done dealing with all these fillings and so forth. I'm just going to yank the teeth out and go on and get the dentures in. So uh, he had done that. Well, the first week uh, preaching after getting the new dentures in, he, he preached for about 10 minutes, and, uh, and that was all he could take. <clears throat> Second week after having the dentures in, he went for about 20 minutes. And in week three, something changed. He went for an hour and a half. One of the congregation people came up to him afterwards and said, you know, Pastor, You've been all over the map here these past few weeks. I just, I'm curious. I got to know what's going on. He said, oh, yeah, yeah. I had gotten some dentures, and that first uh, three weeks ago, that first time I preached with them, uh, 10 minutes into it, my gums were just killing me. I just, I, I couldn't go any further. And uh, the second week, 20 minutes, I'd kind of, you know, gotten a little used to them, weren't as bad, so I was able to make it 20 minutes. He said, but, but this week, I, I'm kind of ashamed to say, but I inadvertently grabbed my wife's dentures and I couldn't stop talking. I'm not planning on going an hour and a half today, but uh, <clears throat> we'll enjoy some time with the Lord nonetheless. Um, I just kind of asked a question this morning uh, as we come into the Lord's presence. Is anybody's life crazy? Anybody's life crazy? Um, I know life can be crazy. I know my life can be crazy. I know your life can be crazy. Um, as we come in this morning, I know this, that God desires for us to come in and just breathe. Breathe in his Holy Spirit this morning. You know, sometimes he just says, come and sit at my feet. And just be in my presence. This is a safe place. This is his house. A place where he just desires to fill you to overflowing today. I pray you came this morning expecting to experience God. I know I came expecting to experience God this morning. And I pray that you came expectantly as well, that, that we didn't come in this morning with just the kind of, okay, it's a tradition, it's Sunday morning, I need to go to church. It's time for me to get up and get ready and do that. Feel convicted to do that. I pray that we actually come desiring that, that God's word that his spirit would change us, to change our hearts, and that when we leave today, when we go back out on the mission field today, that we go out changed. So I challenge you to just pray that for yourself today, that God's spirit would change you. The question that we have for today is, what does your life look like after salvation? In order for us to really answer that question well, we've got to understand what salvation means. Dave's been going through uh, what does the Bible mean to us over this summer and really looking at the Baptist faith and message and, and looking at all the points that are in that. So to be able to answer that question, what does your life look like after salvation, we've got to first understand what salvation means. And so just for a few minutes, salvation and grace. I see it as being set apart for his work, recognizing that we were made to worship him. Understanding that truly apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ, there is no salvation. And then grace. 
It's, it's really through God's grace that we become one of his children. And you know what's beautiful about that, through his grace, is that he accepts us just the way that we are. Regardless of any sin in our life, regardless of any shame, any guilt, any baggage, conviction, whatever it is that we carry around, God accepts us just as we are. So no matter how you came this morning, God loves you. You're one of his precious children. Over in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, I'm sure these verses are familiar to many of us. But um, just as a reminder, thinking about grace for you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. It's God's gift to you and to me. We are not saved by anything that we can do. So we need to first and foremost recognize that that's a reality. No matter what we've done, no matter what we're going to do, the only way that you and I are saved is through God's grace. And it's his free gift to you and me. You know, I think about Christmas morning expecting that gift or our birthdays expecting that gift or that just that special time and say, man, just looking forward to opening up what that gift might be. Man, there's no greater gift than freedom in Jesus Christ. Big words for salvation as we look into the Bible just to really kind of specify salvation, what that looks like in biblical terms. There's four components. <clears throat> There's regeneration. And what is regeneration? Regeneration is the new birth, the new creation. Uh, it's faith in Christ alone. So we are new. We are made new. The old is gone. The new is here. That's regeneration. So one of those big Bible words. Justification. What does it mean to be justified? Well, it's literally God's complete pardon of our sins. And the scripture says that when we ask forgiveness of our sins, that as far as the east is from the west, all right, our sin is no more. He's, he's given us a clean slate. He says he's thrown our sin to the depths of the sea where we can't even be able to see those things. So it's God's complete pardon. So we are justified because of who Jesus is, the forgiveness of our sins. And then sanctification, another big long word there. It's the way a believer is set apart. It's the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. We are sanctified when we allow God to come into our life and change us and make us new. It's his power and his presence that calls us to be sanctified. Again, it's not on us, right? It's not what I've done. I am sanctified because the Holy Spirit has come into my heart and into my life and has changed me. I'm a new creation, sanctified for him. Then the last one is glorification. Glorification is what we will experience when we get to eternity, being in the presence of God forever and ever and ever. Is anybody excited about being in the presence of God forever and ever and ever? Amen. Man, I look so forward to that day. We come in with all the craziness of life, but we get to look forward to, as a Christ follower, one that's received Jesus, eternity in the presence of an almighty God. I am excited about that. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is, a new crea is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. So what does that mean? A new creation, if you will. <clears throat> Man, TV is full of all the remodel deals, the remodeling the house, remodeling the cars, and even uh, some of the self-makeovers. Anybody got a favorite one of those shows? 
So if we think about ourselves, you know, if, if I could remake myself, this new creation, what would that look like? Well, I'd probably be a little bulkier, a little more muscle. Maybe I'd be just a little taller. Maybe I'd be a little trimmer. I don't know, maybe I'd inject a little Botox for good measure just to kind of lift things exactly where I'd like them to be. Well, guess what? That's not God's plan for us. The new creation is not anything about the outside. God has already taken care of that. The outside is already done. It's the inside that God wants to change and make new. He wants to be glorified in and through our lives just as we are, right? So back to the question, what does your life look like after salvation? Well, <clears throat> maybe it's the easy path to heaven, right? I mean, don't we just ask for forgiveness, repent, get some Jesus in our life, and then I'm, I'm home free. I don't have to do anything else, right? Is that the <laughs> no, Jake says, no, that's not it. That's not it. God has a whole lot more in store for us. So to answer the question about what does your life look like after salvation, I have three other questions to pose. We'll get to some answers eventually. Whose life, I'm sorry, whose glory will you live for? Whose glory will you live for? I'll challenge you to write down a couple of these questions, and you can ask yourself these later on this week. But in our life, we are so obsessed with approval. We're so obsessed with recognition. Um, to get the glory ourselves, right? We, we desire that. I mean, it's in our flesh nature to desire to get the glory. And so for us to deny that is a challenge. It's a daily challenge to deny receiving the glory and saying, it's not about me, but it's about you, Lord. Everybody, anybody ever gone through an old photo album, uh, flipping through the pages, and if there's not a picture of you, you're just kind of, yeah, whatever, whatever. Then you get to that picture of you like, oh, yeah. <laughs> anybody ever done that? Uh, okay. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I know you have. I'm guilty of that. We're looking for ourselves, right? I have a little story about getting glory or what I thought was going to get me some glory. When I was a, a youth, we went on this ski trip, and um, I can remember coming down the mountain, and I can remember a bunch of my friends kind of down there at the bottom of the mountain. I was like, I'm going to impress them. I'm going to come down there and scooch up beside them and spray them with some snow, look all cool. <laughs> uh, God was laughing. Come on, buddy. As I get down there and <clears throat> decide to turn the ski sideways, I uh, hit a nice patch of ice, landed on my side, continue down the mountain, slam my skis into the side of an older woman. She lands on top of me. We continue down the mountain. Up close and personal, was not planning on that. Needless to say, I did not get any glory. There was a lot of laughing going on from my friends over here. You know, the Christian worldview about glory is that it's God alone. We don't get any of the glory. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's only about him getting the glory. What were we made for? What were you made for? We were made to make much of him. If we love the wrong things too much, we are going to be disappointed. And by experience that in your life, love the, long, the wrong thing too much, you will be disappointed. So here's the deal. 
if we love what is if we love most what is most lovely then we will find joy and happiness we love most what is most lovely then we will find joy and happiness what is most lovely god in heaven there's nothing else in this world in this life that will ever satisfy us at the deepest level in our life the only thing that will actually satisfy us is god himself we can think that there's other things in this world that will bring gratification to us or satisfaction or fulfillment. The only thing that will bring that truly at our deepest level is God himself. Psalm 115.1 says this, Not to us, Yahweh, not to us, but to your name give glory because of your faithful love, because of your truth. Man, that is not to us. Yahweh, not to us. We have to remind ourselves of that. We have to come before him and say, Lord, not to me, not for my glory, for your kingdom alone, because you and your faithful love and your truth. Amen? You want to be approved by the God of this universe? Here's what we have to do. When the opinion of the one who matters most matters most, then we'll have joy. When the opinion of the one who matters most actually matters most, then we'll have true joy. And I'm confident that if you're a Christ follower, you've experienced that from time and time in your life. And you've said, you know what, Lord? This is for you. This is all about you. I'm coming under your authority. I'm coming into your presence. I'm surrendering my life to you. And for a moment, for a little time there, we trust in him. And man, that's a good place to be. Right where God wants you to be, man, that's a great place to be. When the one who matters most matters most, then we'll have joy. So whose glory are you going to live for? Whose glory am I going to live for? I know what I desire to do is to live for his glory. Number two, whose vision will you live for? God is calling each and every one of us to a great purpose for his kingdom. Each one of us for a great purpose for his kingdom. question is, are we actually living that out in our day-to-day? So often we'll find our times just, just throwing away time, just throwing away time. Gabriel got caught up in meaningless time things on the Internet, Facebook, any kind of social media, just spending time, an hour, two hours fly by. I've asked my kids a couple times, how many, time, how many hours were you on the phone today? Do I have to tell you, Dad? Way too much time, right? We, we get caught up in that. I mean, that's... The world is just full of all those things that will just steal our time. And so we have no chance to give God our time, to allow him to have vision over our life and authority over our life. In James chapter 4, verse 13 through 14, it says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there to do business and make a profit. You don't even know what tomorrow will bring. What your life will be, for you are like smoke that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Man, God's vision is in his purpose and his plan. Sometimes we make these plans. He says, you don't even know what tomorrow's going to bring. And by the way, you don't have time to waste on trying to figure out what tomorrow's going to bring. Just trust me in it. God says, you're like a, a smoke. You ever blown out a candle and the little smoke comes and goes? And that's the way that the scripture describes our life. It is, it is fleeting. 
We don't have time to waste on that. So whose vision will you live by? question we may ask God from time to time is like, Lord, just, just work this thing out. You know, we get so focused on something like, Lord, I need you to work this thing out. We say, reality, though, is not how does God's fit, plans fit into my life, but how does my life fit into God's plans? So we just tweak that a little bit. We tweak that prayer a little bit. Okay, Lord, I'm not sure what exactly you'd have me to do in this situation or in this circumstance, but Lord, I'm trusting you with it. Not, Lord, will you work this out in my life because this is what I see happening. This is how I see it unfolding. Lord, work out this situation. No, Lord, help me to get in line with what your plan and your purpose is. Question three. Whose power do you live by? Talked about whose glory. Talked about whose vision. Whose power do you live by? Do we step out in faith and obedience in our life? With the Lord, I'm sure there's times when we have stepped out in faith and obedience as a Christ follower. But are we doing that on a consistent basis? We only have power when we step out in obedience. Verses over in Philippians 4, 12 through 13 say this. Paul says, I know how to have a little, and I know how to have a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So whose power? Scripture says, through Christ who strengthens me. These, these verses revealed a truth to me that I was unaware of, really, until a couple of months ago. Um, and I was, I was teaching on contentment, and I was looking for some Scripture on contentment, and it led me over to Philippians 4.12, and I was like, well, that's interesting. You know, I'm familiar with the 4.13, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I get a little bit of Jesus in me. I got it covered. Paul says it a little differently. If we, so often we take that verse and we look at it from that perspective. But Paul says, I've learned the secret of contentment, how to do it regardless of my circumstances. It's through Christ's power. So it doesn't mean that because we're going to be successful and accomplished if we have Jesus in us, it means that in any and all circumstances, through Christ's power in me, I can do all things. So that new creation we were talking about earlier, what does that look like? Because so often we'll get into our life and we'll say, I can't do that thing that you're asking me to do, God. And we'll throw up our hands and just ignore it and walk away. Right? I can't serve in that way. I can't evangelize in that way. I can't go out and do those things you're calling me to do. It's, I can't do that. Yes, you can. You're a new creation, filled by the Holy Spirit, His power, His truth. We can do those things with Christ in us. Think about that power for a moment. <clears throat> this week, God allowed me to experience Him um, through a time with my daughter, Lisa. She is five years old, and um, there's certain things that she struggles with. From time to time, and, and she's getting to that point where she can actually express that she is struggling with those things, and, and I'd put her to bed, and, and usually when it's time for her to go to bed, she is out like a light. She's expended all of her energy for the day, but one night this week, it was an hour and a half or two hours, and she is still fussing, and she's still struggling, and it's like, I'm, I'm like, what is going on? She's not falling asleep, so I go up there, and I sit with her for a moment. I said, Lisa, she's like, my fingers hurt, Dad. I was like, Lisa, you got to stop biting your fingernails. 
Your fingers are not candy. You can't eat them. She said, but I just can't stop doing it. I don't think I can ever stop doing it. And man, when she expressed that, and she's, cry- she's literally crying when she's saying this to me, I was like, mm, man, my heart just broke for her that she is struggling at five years old with something. She's like, I, I can't do it. I don't think I can ever get over this because I've talked to her many times about that. And God just reminded me to, of a time when I prayed for one of my other kids in a similar scenario. I said, Lisa, do you have just a little teeny bit of trust in God that he can actually help you stop that? That he can actually help you to quit doing that? And she kind of shook her head. I said, do you believe that God can really do that? I said, well, then I'm going to pray with you, and I'm going to ask God that he would give you the strength to overcome that. Because whether you're five years old, 10 years old, 20 years old, there's things in our life that is difficult to overcome. So I prayed with Lisa, and within 45 seconds, she was sound asleep. It blew my mind that God took that away from her right there, just like that. I mean, it shouldn't have blown my mind, right? I shouldn't have been surprised by that, but that's what he did. So what is after salvation for you? Is it his glory or your glory? His vision or your vision? His power or your power? One of my favorite movies is called uh, Facing the Giants. Many of you may be familiar with it, but in that movie, there's a, a scene in there where the coach is just, he's distraught. He, he's come to this school and he thinks he's going to come in and, and change the football team around and just, just make a world of difference there and just come in and win ball games and to be just a piece of cake. And they begin the season and they're losing game after game and they're getting smashed and he's like, Lord, give me something, please. And he just, he approaches the Lord and he gets into the word and he spends time in prayer and God gives him this new philosophy of football. It's not about winning. And so he presents this philosophy to his team. And they're like, what do you mean, coach? You don't want us to win football games? He said, yeah, I don't want you to win football games. Not if that's all it's about. Our life is way too, mu- too valuable to make it just about winning a football game. For us in life, there's more to it than the little things that we see right in front of us. God has so much bigger plans for us that if we were to just focus on his plan, his purpose, we get to see that come to fruition. Over in 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16, it says this, Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be serious. Set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Man, set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance, but as the one who has called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. God says that to you, be holy because I am holy. I suspect that as we have read through the scripture, as we have talked a little bit this morning, that Holy Spirit may have nudged you in your heart a little bit, maybe just said, hey, maybe there's some areas that we need to reevaluate. And um, a quote from a guy named C.S. Lewis, many of you may be familiar with him, and he says this, we are always falling in love or quarreling, looking for jobs or fearing to lose them, getting ill or recovering, following public affairs, 
Anybody following public affairs these days? If we let ourselves, we shall always be waiting for some distraction or other to end before we can really get down to our work. The only people who achieve much are those who want knowledge so badly that they seek it while the conditions are still unfavorable. Favorable conditions never come. It's never going to be the right time for you and for me to say, here, Lord, is my life. We can always say, I've got to get this one other thing straight, Lord. I've got, I've got my time invested right over here, Lord, and, and as soon as I finish this one thing, and, and we'll make lots of excuses about why we're not going to submit to his authority completely today. We'll make lots of excuses on that. But favorable conditions aren't coming. Not going to happen. If your life as a Christ follower has not been characterized by his glory or by his vision or by his power, then I would suggest that we have a decision to make. Are we going to change that? You know, over in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, one of my favorite verses, it says, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself and pick up your cross daily. Jesus said in those words that it is not going to be a one-time process. He actually time-stamped it in there and says it is going to be a daily process. If you want to follow me, deny yourself and pick up your cross daily. So as we come to the end of the service, just a chance for invitation. If God is revealed to you that you need to receive him as Lord and Savior. And I would challenge you to turn your life over to him this morning. If God has challenged you to look into those areas of your life where maybe you haven't given him the glory, maybe you haven't really relied on his power in the way that you should have, what is, what is salvation looking like for you right now? You know, this altar down here is a perfect height to kneel down and pray to the Lord. We're in his house. We're in that place where he wants us to come and sit at his feet, a place where he wants us to come and rest in his love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for today. Lord, we thank you that you have given us the privilege of being here in your house this morning, privilege of coming together as Christ's followers, receiving your spirit, allowing you to breathe on us this morning as we just take a moment and rest in your presence. Father, we desire so much that you be glorified in our life, that our hearts be changed, that we would leave here today new, the new creation, perfect in your image, the way you have made us. May you have your way in our life today, in Jesus' name. Amen.